Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Saturday, not Sunday, April 6th. This is episode 85. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. It might be Sunday by the time I get it edited, though. We, or even Monday. Who knows? We don't, we don't know. Well, let's whatever. not be silly. It's not going to be Monday. I'm not that bad. Yeah. Maybe. Basically, my wife has work stuff going on tomorrow, so I'm not going to be available until like super late. And nobody wants to do this late at night. Nobody. Mm, probably not. That means the editing's done even later. And I always seem to try and get it out on Sunday, which sometimes means editing just before midnight. But I usually get it done before the clock actually rolls over. Speaking of rolling over, Tony. It's been two weeks. We were remote last time. This is the first time we've podcasted in front of each other since before TPF. Yes. Have you accomplished a lot of gaming in the last two weeks? Oh, I've accomplished so nothing in Mm. gaming. Uh, Nothing at all. Right after TPF, like the three days after TPF, that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I played a bunch of Satisfactory, which, Dennis, I know you recall because I actually played it at TPF. Yeah, because there just wasn't enough to do at TPF, yeah. so you played a video game. I played a video game at TPF. Yeah. That was Friday morning before it opened, so there. Well, yeah, so that's they didn't need to know that, but okay. It makes me sound a little bit better. Maybe. A little bit. Maybe. Not a lot better. A I might bit cut better. that part out. I'm sure you will, mm-hmm. as you should. It makes total sense to remove it. Um, that We talked about that game a little bit in E3 episode last year because it was the one that was just casual mentioned. It looked like a first-person perspective Factorio, and that game is in all actuality a first-person perspective Factorio, except for I enjoyed it a lot more than I enjoyed Factorio, which is kind of surprising because I really liked Factorio. Well, that's good. But since then, I've gotten so busy either working around the house, doing stuff with the kids... um, I have gotten distracted because I've been watching a lot of stuff either on like Amazon Prime or Netflix or whatever, where it's the shows where I haven't actually seen it and I watch it and I'm like, oh, I'll play a game while I watch the show. And then suddenly, you know, it's like the episode's over and I haven't even looked at the game because I've been entranced with it, with the show. So it's been just busy stuff keeping me. And then like I worked last weekend and it was a busy weekend and. All the stuff this week. I've just not played video it's games. Been, it's been a so such a busy weekend. I don't know. In a week. It's been yeah. terrible. Happy oh. belated birthday. Uh, thank you. I am 40. You are. I'm, I'm, I'm still planning my midlife crisis. I haven't decided. Okay. The current, the, I haven't decided if I'm going to get, uh, if I'm going to replace the motorcycle that I sold when I had kids, or if I'm going to get a tattoo, or if I'm going to get a pinball machine, or if I'm going to get a dog, or what I'm. I'll figure it out by 50, I, I I figure. Why not both? And by both, I mean everything. Yeah. It's I, only money. I probably will at money. some point. Because those are actually all things that I've been talking about for decades now. They're all things I want to mm-hmm. do. I've regretted getting rid of the motorcycle since, you know, the day after I got rid of the motorcycle. So, mm. I, uh, yeah, the Goldwing. Yep. 1975 Goldwing. I remember it vaguely. Uh, and then when Dad sold his Goldwing, I wanted to buy it, but... We didn't. We didn't because the what it, our our current oldest child at the time was like six months old. I I like how you say our current oldest child. There could be a future oldest child. Well, I, 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 that's valid. It, it could be. I could adopt an older kid because that's the only way that's happening. But yeah. uh, no, because we sold. I sold my bike right before uh, she was born. And because dad had his and I still rode dad's bike for a while, but then dad sold his 
And I thought about buying it, but I didn't have the money. And we just, it was one of those, oh, we've got kids now things. So we didn't do it. And I regret it. And I've wanted a bike back for years. And it's not happened because, quite frankly, there's more important things to put money on. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason I don't have a pinball machine yet. Sure. And the same more reason important, I don't more important have anything reason. else. But one of these days. Well, that box the reviewers can't see on top there, Ooh. that is your birthday present. Ooh. So you can open it. I can open a birthday sure? present live, not live, live. on Live, not live. Not yeah. Live, not live. I'll give you a hint. It's not any of those things you just said. It's not a tattoo in a box. It's no. just a, it's not just a chunk of skin with a tattoo on it. Hey, I could have gotten like one of those. That would be super I, creepy. That would be so creepy. That would be right, It would be fairly creepy, but, but, but it could be done. There are ways. It could be done. I bet. I that, bet that seems with, like something. With Fiverr, that, I could arrange fun. for it. I could arrange for it. Well, thank you. That's For right. everybody who can't see it, it's they can't. it's it's, it's a uh, what is the name? A Nindroid. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. Nindroid series of Lena from Slayers. That's they, awesome. They don't know Slayers. You have to describe what Slayers is. Slayers is uh, an awesome fantasy comedy anime series. Yeah, that's a good description. Where she has the power of darkness, and she goes and is always hungry. That's and all I really is, remember. Darkness causes hunger. Didn't it have like four seasons? I only saw three. three. It had three seasons. No. They I'm, added a back. season. There are three seasons. A new season that was released like 15 years after the third one. And like five movies. Okay. So I've seen I, I the first. I've seen the three I've seen all seasons. The, I've seen all the movies and the first three seasons. I've never seen the second uh, or the the la the fourth season. I haven't seen that one either. Oh, you'll have to talk to Mike. I think he has it on disc. I actually have access to it now because why not we just pimp all the incre- incredible stuff? I went ahead and because my daughter has been wanting access to uh, a lot of the anime shows that her friends have watched and she doesn't normally have access to because of just how her things are. And a lot of her friends have that, the Funimation uh, uh, pass so she can just watch that stuff. I went ahead and picked it up. Uh, for the whole family so she can watch her her fairy tale and, and, and My Hero Academia and all that stuff. And Slayers is in that, including the new season. It's on my two-watch list. Oh, okay. So, so you, you didn't just say, well, I'm sorry, you have to stick with Crunchyroll. No, uh, I didn't. Okay. I was nicer <laughs> than that. No, you are very nice. Um, wow, you've been... Am ch- I not merciful? <laughs> you just have to scream it with drool coming out of your yeah. mouth, but no one can see it. So what's the point? One of my favorite lines from Gladiator, though. Um, well, you have been busy at least, even if it's not been uh, eclectically gaming. Which, incidentally, Jack Danger with Deadflip mentioned his eclectic collection of pinball machines. So ah. I had to weigh in on that, and of course, he caught the joke quite quickly because how couldn't you we are you know yeah. who we are i mean come on everyone knows who we are <laughs> no one listens who I am? no one no one listens but everyone knows <laughs> uh, uh speaking of listening i guess i should clarify just in case people didn't pick up on it uh we participated more in an indirect fashion but nonetheless participated in an april fool's joke I you, we well you, because you were you were in on it. i was in on it so yeah, yeah so you participated I got the warning you got the warning so what happened was uh I'll, I'll go ahead and give the little breakdown here i don't think people are particularly concerned but in terms of summary zach many who is the regular host of this week in pinball he actually indicated that he had a lot of traveling that he was having to do over the next few weekends so with that weekend coming up, I just, because I'm nice, I said, do you want me to maybe do it with Ken? 
And if you give me the sound clips and stuff, I could try and edit it up into an ep- I mean, normally I would not go to this much effort, but right. it's like if you're traveling for almost a month, yeah, I can help out one because it wasn't the same week that we record. Right. So I have the time. And he said, uh, hey, you know, Monday's April 1st. It's like, and I didn't even think about it. And it's like, oh, interesting. So we could do some shenanigans here. He's like, yes. So Zach, Zach was in on it, folks. In fact, Zach edited the episode. He had the time to do the editing as long as we got him the, the show put together quick enough. So Ken Cromwell from Special Win Lit Pinball Podcast, who's been a recurring ghost on the, guest on there. And, a ghost. He's a ghost. been a recurring ghost. Ooh, play pinball. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so the ghost of Ken Cromwell and, and the skeleton of me got together. It was very Halloween themed. Uh, April Fool's joke. Yeah. And, uh, so we, we did that. And other than the intro, the episode was totally legit. We had the news notes. We went through it, talked about what we're going to talk about did today. Did market trends? What? No. I know. That wouldn't have been. My original iteration of the April Fool's joke was actually probably too far over the top. I think that what Ken's thought was. And so I agree. We, we pitched it that Zach was just too busy because now he's a distributor. He owns right. flipping out pinball. So that's what we ended up pitching. My original iteration of the idea was to say that Jeff Patterson of This Week in Pinball was mad that Zach couldn't win the Twippy for best for favorite podcast. <laughs> he only got in the top three. So he had to go. The new people had to come in. And then if we screw it up, we're out after after the next year. And that's just how it's going to be until it wins its own award. That would have been hilarious. It would have been. But, uh, <laughs> but it seemed like... Mm, how until it, it wins its would, own award that it yeah. shouldn't even be eligible for, sure, in my sure, personal sure. opinion. Sure, but. sure. But it's like, okay, well, but would anyone believe that? Maybe not. But would people possibly fall for that Zach has been too busy? Maybe. That would be... Yeah, that was very believable. And, and people did. There I saw on the This Week in Pinball Facebook page, someone was was very angry with me, felt I was very mean, which was the point. And so... It's like, so that, do they know you? Uh, no, probably not. But, <laughs> but that amused me because I was like, yeah, that was that was the goal. So I was supposed to be the one who was mean and was glad that Zach You were the gone. heel. Yeah, well, yeah, basically. And, and Ken was the climbing the ladder of power, but wanting to, you know, be on the straight and narrow while he does it approach. Right. And that was the spin of it. And the, because we planned it, we didn't plan it at TPF. This was like three days out. Uh, we got some of the other podcasts in on it. Since we weren't recording, I made you aware in case you saw anything on social media, right. but we didn't really have to generate like I any attention content. attention to social media. Right, right. <laughs> well, you're our chief Instagrammer, so there is that. Right, which means I Instagram while we're doing pinball stuff, and then I pretty much done. <laughs> well, we don't have to spell it out. And, <laughs> and uh, But so what happened is because Ken was now taking over this week in pinball, he needed someone to be on Special Win Lit in his place to participate with his host, his co-host, Bill Webb. Yeah. So Jason Fowler, who we met at Texas at the bar yes. of Slap Save Pinball out of St. Louis. Who gave me some excellent scotch. Thank you. Um, he hosted, and th- these all dropped on Monday. We dropped them. We tried to drop them all at the same time. And so he was the, um, so he co-hosted with Bill Webb on Special Win Lit, but that left an opening on Slap Save Pinball where he normally co-hosts with Chris. So Zach went and hosted with Chris on Slap Save. So we just rotated all Even of Even though them. he was too busy to do 
Yes, but he wasn't too busy to do that because <laughs> Jason still edited the slap save episode. So Zach only had to participate. Yeah, he just had to, to participate. So, so, and I think Ken still edited special. Everyone still edited what they normally edit was the thing. So that was the idea. But the funny thing, especially Ken, cause he's far more popular than I am. He got most, we got a, I, I got a couple messages, but he got a number of messages throughout the day that he was just sharing with Zach and me. And they were just like, they're, so I don't want to suggest there were a ton, but there were a lot that were like, the show's so much better. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Zach's gone. And some of those he wouldn't share with Zach. So surprise Zach if you ever hear this episode. But it's like, yeah. But there were also a few that were like, really? We're not going to keep listening if Zach's not on this show. Which is ridiculous, of course. But well, some people yeah, that's, feel very that's, that's, that's some people are shills. They're straight down the middle shills that are just listening because they like his YouTube. Every series. group has shills. It's okay. That's true. That's true. So anyway, so that was the so April. If you Fool's would like show. to be our shill, please apply. Eh? Yeah, at eclecticgamerspodcast <laughs> at gmail But anyway, it was a joke. I'm still on Eclectic Gamers. I'm not the regular host of This Week in Pinball. Zach's still going to be hosting This Week in Pinball. I don't know if he's doing anything special for these next couple of weeks where he's traveling or what because. After, you know how I am. After one episode, I'm like, all right, don't talk to me for like two two months. <laughs> talk to the hand. Yeah. Uh, I know Dennis isn't actually the mean one. Everybody knows I'm the mean one. Yeah, it just depends on the show, I suppose. It's all relative. Let's see. And a couple other little intro update things. This one, is, both of them are kind of pinball related, actually. Uh, Black Knight. So I mentioned this on the This Week in Pinball episode, but my dad found a project game that he saw out in central Kansas that he was interested in. So we went and picked that up uh, two Fridays ago. Yeah. And so that's down in my garage because I have the space. And he's been – I worked from home all this week. Everything was conference calls. So so he would come over on the afternoons while I was working in paint or whatever he's, he's doing on it. <laughs> like he's, he's touching up the cabinet and stuff. So I helped him strip the the play field, depopulate it, because he was originally thinking about getting an overlay. How did it end up looking once you got it cleaned up? You said it looked pretty good. It's but pretty you- good. There's not a lot of wear on it. That someone had mylard the main play field, most of it. So what looked fairly kind of scuzzy is the mylar. It's not wear. So nice. the Magnus saves have wear. Very narrow, just around the dot, you right. know, where they usually get it. And the upper play field had a couple wear spots. And there's a spot of wear around the horseshoe that you can't really see when the plastics are on it. So he looked at that and he was like, okay, I, he decided not to do the overlay, which I wouldn't have done the overlay unless you're going to completely redo the entire cabinet. Like, are you going to, is it going to be a player's game or is it going to be a restored piece? Right. And he didn't want to stencil the cabinet. He's just manually touching it up. So it's like, okay, so it's a player's game. Because the cabinet will never look great unless you sand it and re-stencil it. Right. Like ideal, like mint. So why have a minty, fresh-looking play field? It looks really good. It looks better than, like way better than my Xenon. It looks better than my Firepower play field, which is okay. Yeah. So the only significant wear is down at the out hole where, beneath the field of play. from Because no one mylared or waxed it or anything. So Anyway, so yeah, it looks pretty good. So he's uh, chipping away at that. Yeah, I think he has most of the boards out and he's taking those to... He's got a whole board soldering workstation set up at his, his house. His hobby shop. His little hobby shop. My old bedroom, I'll have you know. <laughs> and um, it's all just boxes and solder and components now. Just, yeah. Okay. There's I no bed. There's like boxes no bed in there. and solder, but for yeah. a split second, I could have swore you said boxes of solder. And I was like, holy crap, how much he solder does he He could. He just gets cases of solder he could. He delivered said, every he, week. He said he ordered some, some of this copper like tape 
copper wire. It's not wire, but it's the it's the copper that goes on circuit boards. Oh yeah, really under the that the, that are the traces. Yeah, and he said he got several lifetimes worth. <laughs> And the order. So he, he said, I don't know. It's a roll and it was measured in meters. That's what, I, that's what I understand it to be. So, so he's moving forward on that. I actually sent a message, uh, yesterday about a project that I'm interested in, but I haven't heard back. So I don't think that one's going to pan out. It's even further, it's even further away. It's not a big deal if it doesn't. So, uh, and then the last thing is streaming. I actually streamed this week. I actually streamed four times. Nice. So. In a row, in fact, four days in a row, because now that I've been working over a month, I'm finally at the point where I don't feel like I just have to sit in a chair for nine hours a day working on stuff. I've gained a sense of what I can do and that I get it done in the time frame that I allot and then my evenings can be free <laughs> sort of stuff. So I streamed um, Hoops and I streamed Silver Slugger. I, no, Silver Slugger may have been the prior week, but this week I, in the row I did Hoops. Sharkies, Star Trek, and then this morning I did Hollow Knight, so I did a video game too. Nice. And so we're actually showing we got new followers, Tony, because people were. I know. I need to get back to streaming. I need to like I talked to you before we started recording. I'm looking at picking up some extra stuff to make my Mm. streaming rig easier to set up, pull down, and use. Yes, it's It's a big help. Much of a of a hassle. The biggest thing is yeah, like moving the rigs on the pinball machines because I don't have a convenient thing. I actually usually would. Since I was working from home, when it was about lunchtime, I'd go down and move the stuff. And then yeah. when it was, when I was done working, I could just go down and plug in the laptop and go. So See, that's where I run. Since I don't stream off my desktop, which is my main setup on my desk, I use the laptop because it's so much better than my desktop to stream with. I have to set it up and pull out extra monitors and run it to my TV and, and everything else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a chore. It is. But, the sacrifice is worth it. We got a dollar worth of bits, so you'll be happy oh, about that. Man. So now I let's go ahead and tra- extra taxes. Maybe only if you earn enough. I think. Yeah. Isn't it like six hundred or something? I think it's like six hundred. I, yeah. I think so. so I have to look before they'll bother me. sending you a ten ninety nine. So okay. So um, no, not ten ninety nine. Or is it a ten? It'd be a, yeah, a ten ninety nine misc or something. Yeah, it'd be yeah, it'd be because that's I know when I did. Nobody's going to care about this. When I did uh, airplane washing on the side, mm-hmm. uh, some people would 1099 me. And yeah. It was a 1099 mask. So. Yeah. And I'll have to see because I'm actually working for my old employer on the side. So Moon some contract stuff they were afraid, especially IT, especially IT. They were really worried. So Moonlight. But my whole first month generated 60 bucks. So I'm not Ooh, sure. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> I don't think you I... generated 60 bucks and see it, which is well, really, which I is charge like, him $60 an hour. That's so what I'm ready to like, ask. It's like, you, you I gave to, him a really like, nice rate. I felt, I mean, do you know how much I normally command? I mean, less than 60, but still, <laughs> I figure contract work would be $100, the contract work. Yeah. hundred dollars an hour, four hour minimum is how I'd do it. Uh, our, I did it at the same rate. Our contract accountant does it for that group. So pretty, which is lower than her normal rate. But yeah. I'm trying not to be mean here. I still have to work with this organization because my new employer is an affiliate of it. So, right. So I need them for things too. And you like share office space. We do, but you like, like, yeah, I sublet from them. Yeah. You sublet from yeah. them. I was thinking, what's the, there was like, there's like the new fancy word for office. It's shared office space they use. Now. Oh like, yeah. That's a little different like of a code concept. something or yeah, other. But that's, that's where you're, like, right, you're actually like, sharing the physical offices right. and stuff. Yeah. It's to make it look like you have a real presence when you're really actually just virtually working. Yeah. Which might be the model we move to in 2020. We'll have to yeah. see. Speaking of moving on though, we will finally move into pinball. Okay. Officially. For the stuff that people are actually here for. Yeah. Well, a lot of that was related, not the tax stuff, granted, but a lot of the other 
stuff was related to gaming. So I feel we were pretty legitimate, but we have been recording about 20 minutes. So first we'll start again with, uh, with the Twippies. We talked mm-hmm. about that after and, and, and on our, t- yeah. our, our TPF, um, episode, but just so people can, or we're not going to go through it all, but, uh, Jeff with this week in pinball has released his breakdown of those results. So I have a link in the show notes so you can go and read those if you're curious. So in the case of the best categories, which were the ones all the games are up for, where you got to do the drop down choices, it'll show you the vote allotments that all of those games. That was had. impressive. It was. Some of them were extremely lopsided. Yeah. And so I, I there was like think one that was like super close, and like all the rest were pretty. Mm-hmm. It was it was pretty. Dead. Some of them were like surprisingly lopsided. Yeah. And there was at least one instance I saw with a 0.0% for a game. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, that was interesting. And then, uh, honorable mentions are just narratively. And I think that's how he did it the prior time on the favorites. Cause those are all write-ins. So people describe things differently. We were not honorably mentioned as podcasts. Someone had yeah. thought we were. And I was like, I There's don't no think way. we have the listener base. No, I, we, we had at least two votes, but well, yeah, <laughs> but, but, uh, our listener base is. I mean, just mathematically, our listener base is significantly lower. I can see that a lot of the other, unless they hide it, I can see the other SoundCloud host listening mm-hmm. bases because I follow them all. And it's like, no, we don't have a big enough recurring. We have a, it's definitely gotten bigger every year, but we don't have a huge chunk of people. We'd need like everyone to vote for us. Right. And which even would be, then, it would why be, would they? A lot right. of those people who listen were not their favorite. No. I mean, we're their second favorite. Let, let, let's be honest. We didn't we're the expect. Sec- the third to, we, we didn't expect to be in there anyway because of no. our split format. Exactly. Uh, amongst other things, that would be my. That'd be what but I, I primarily. Think the split format is the primary reason that sure. we wouldn't. There are too many people in the hobby that only care about pinball. We would have. To I don't mean that as a purist yeah, to, to to. But that'd be to a whole a different shot. show. Yeah, we'd have to change the name even. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. We could talk, talk about eclectic types of pinball machines. It's because it's because we love all pinball machines. We're very solid. State, we're very fair. EM, everything. Yeah, ramps, rampless. Yeah, stop flipper and go, was, flow. Bingos. Not flipper, but no, no, we don't. Like we don't. No, sorry. Actually, I did. I really no, you did didn't. enjoy it. You did. I did. Don't pander I to really him. Did. I, I did enjoy it. it was, I honestly always thought the whole concept of the bingos and the flipperless games was silly. Mm-hmm. Until I actually played Nick Baldridge's multi bingo, and I actually enjoyed it, even though I tilted out really quick. But I, I really enjoyed it to the point where I'm going to look forward to trying some, some more bingos. Okay, I'm not going to go crazy and say I'm going to look to buy a bingo as the first machine in my collection or nothing. But I'm, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for some bingos. Okay, I didn't, I never found them silly. I found them exploitative. That's my problem. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying they wouldn't be that. I would full I, I don't, on see that. I don't. I don't like pretending that they contributed anything healthy, other than on the engineering side, where they were the very engineering impressive. was impressive. Sure, Don, Don Hooker's and, and a, a master. Was, I think it was enjoyable. But maybe, maybe I'm one of those people with that addicting personality. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was fine. I, I'm I didn't hate to so it. So many things. You are. That's true. I'm addicted to working. Yeah. And working. Yeah. Money that I get from working. Yeah, there we go. See, I'm a I'm an addict. Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. Uh, I I will say a quick thank you to anyone. I did see that. I did. It said like various, but 
<laughs> Apparently, there were a number of write-ins on my uh, for the publication for Vera publication for articles. That or Jeff just wrote that in there so that I would keep writing articles. Mm. That would be tricky. So basically, what you're saying is, if we want to get in on that one, we're gonna have to start assembling our own magazine to counter well, everybody else's. Magazines. I was glad that Pinball Magazine won. Versus, say, Pinball Adventures, because Pinball Magazine was a real publication with right. real work put in and yeah. real content. I And I read it, and I enjoyed it. I didn't love every element of it. Uh, I would do a magazine differently if I were doing one, but as far as publications go, it's a top it's a top-notch publication i think it was the obvious winner but yeah it would be very hard for an article to ever beat something so i mean how how can 3500 words which is like one of my biggest articles compete with 360 pages I right mean, people are just going to look at it and they're just going to go he did more work than you did and he did mm-hmm. so there's that even if my even if my article was so good that you wished it was the cover of the magazine, I'm not saying that it should have been. I'm just saying if it was, it would make sense. But I'm actually working on a couple of articles. It's just with the new job, it's been difficult to want to invest that time because I've been spending so much research time trying to figure out how to make organization that needs grant money get grants. <laughs> <laughs> not my strong suit. Historically, I'm used to working more with government, so. Um, uh, okay, so anyway, so the link in the show notes as we noted. So we only really have one other pinball news item to talk about. It's the big news. Of course, it came out to everyone's knowledge the day after we recorded. Of last course time. it did. I sent you a message that morning uh, you did. when I saw it. You did. So They did the same thing to us last year. I swear they did. Do you think it's deliberate? I think you pissed Steve Ritchie off. No, but he didn't say hi to me this time at TPS. Like I said. That could be the case. Could be the case. He could have seen that I spoke with Dwight Sullivan and been like, I'm mad at Dwight still. He didn't want to program my game as, as much as I wanted to play better. <laughs> Dennis, I don't know. Uh, Black Knight, Sword of Rage. That's the game. I'm sure everyone's heard about it already. I would hope so. I have a link in the show notes again to This Week in Pinball because Jeff put together a deep dive uh, very quickly after the game was announced. Uh, so you can go there. In fact, I have it loaded up right now so I can see the photos. <laughs> Me too. Because, well, he's got them all nicely. He's got them he's so got nicely put together. And it's just nice because I can click on them and I can look. So if you hear mouse clicks, that's why. I kind of wish my mouse was quieter when I do podcasting, but it's not. Um, I have a program on my thing that if I hover my mouse over an image, it goes full screen. Oh, well, you know what? I have a program on my thing and it's called the internet browser. And that's what I'm using to browse. That's what I'm using. You know what? It's an add-on for my browser. <sighs> Fine. Click. All right. Uh, so, all right. Um, so, uh, just a quick summary. Uh, as Tony had mentioned, uh, Steve Ritchie, this is his playfield design. Tim Sexton is on code. This is his first gig as a lead coder for Stern. Uh, the art and graphics. Uh, Kevin O'Connor did the art packages. Uh, I believe Josh Clay is the one who handled a lot of the other graphical work. Uh, I'm guessing maybe that's related to the display work. I'm not quite sure what, what Josh did versus, I think like the, the play field in the back glass, that's Kevin. Yeah. Which he's done. Last game I can, that comes to my mind that Kevin O'Connor did was actually the new Kiss game, but he's been, he's been in the game for a while. Um, sound designed by Jerry Thompson, who's the lead sound guy with Stern at this point. And then, uh, music was provided by Scott Ian of Anthrax. So a lot of people, I don't oh, know yeah. Anthrax, but a lot of people were very excited about that. 
and uh, voice work. Ed Robertson of Bare Naked Ladies has done voice work. It sounds like he did one of the more prominent characters in the game. But Steve Ritchie did, of course, reprise his role as the Black Knight. And so he voices the Black Knight yet again. Um, The biggest differences between the Pro and the Premium LE version is obviously the lack of the upper play field. They don't have an upper play field on the Pro model. Uh, all the models do have a night toy in the middle. He has a motorized flail, which guards the left ramp. He also has a shield, which appears to function as a ball lock on the player's right-hand side to the right of the figurine. Uh, there are various modes that you can activate. There's like a retro mode by uh, spelling out night. There's, uh, there's spelling war, which advances your ability to fight the Black Knight himself and a bunch of other stuff. Um, Obviously, we've not seen gameplay yet. I believe that's supposed to be coming out later this week. The 9th. Yes. It was an April Fool's joke on the part of Jack Danger and Deadflip saying that they're going to be live streaming BK. And they did, but it was Burger King. Steve Ritchie, Tim Sexton, and Jack were sitting there with paper crowns at Burger King eating spicy chicken sandwiches and a Whopper. Talking about how they'd not been to Burger King in years. That's... It was pretty good. I, there were people who were pissed, and so I, I can understand. But so, that's that. That so is so impre- I, that is such an impressive to I, me. I that might so be the, been the best April Fool. It was. I felt so much better about what we did on the Twip podcast after that because I thought, oh, people are going to be way more mad at Jack than uh-huh. they'd ever be about pulling Zach off of his own show. But um, so I mean, I guess we can start wherever in terms of talking about this. But let's start with just the art. Okay. Is where I would like to start. All right, if then. you're okay with that. Yeah, fine. We'll start. Because you know, that. I know, I know, it's the most important thing to you. Apparently, everyone tells me this is what sells games now is art. Art, I, I, I think it does. I think it, I think it's super important to people. Okay, but I'd like to start there because this is one of the one of those sets of art that um, has been put out by Stern lately that surprises me because the LE's art is my favorite and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Followed by the pro, the premium art I don't like as much. And are we talking? Is it the? I'm not, I don't like the back glass on the premium as much. Okay, is it because he's got the sword instead of the flail? Is I that what you that think? Could be it because for obviously it's very difficult audibly for us to describe it. But if I were to describe the differences in the pro and the LE's back glass, it seems to be the LE has the knight on a horse. That's what stands out to me, right? And the pro does not. Right. Whereas on the premium, I believe the knight is. Is he's on not- his pony, but he's got a sword now. Right. Which, incidentally, my understand, or, I don't know. Because on the cabinets, the sword's on all of the bodies of the yes, cabinets. And the knight's hand in the two upper models and not, it just, and, just and a sword it- in the, in the lower model. My understanding was, because you've, in the play field, the knight has the flail. He doesn't have a sword. Right. My sense was the sword of rage was supposed to be the player, that you have the sword and you're fighting the black knight. I haven't. Yeah, I guess it I, doesn't really matter because I don't think the sword's actually prominent. I see. And yeah, very true. And I like a flail. I, I like a bludgeoning weapon. That's kind of my my thing. So, and the very concept of the motorized flail in this game. I don't know how well it's going to work, but it sounds amazing mm. to me. It sounds evil and amazing. Yes, I heard a little bit more because the Slam Tilt podcast that we were on with yeah. Ron and Bruce. And we spoke with Ron at length, actually, not about this interview because it hadn't happened yet, right. but at TPF. 
that Tim Sexton was on that show after the Coast to Coast show. And he gave some additional information about the function of that mech during that show, mm-hmm. uh, explaining the challenge of figuring it out. So like the game will know when the, when the flail is positioned, it can be positioned to stay open to allow that shot without interference. It will know that it's placed properly. Ah. And so it's designed so that it won't just hang there and brick shots inadvertently. It's supposed to be out of the way sometimes and spin sometimes. And it can spin either direction. So to reject or to or speed help. things along. Yeah, to help, so to speak. So it sounds like, and the way I thought of that is on Sharky's Shootout, you're familiar with the eight ball. And it's got a bunch of windows. People who don't know, don't, don't know it. There's a one ramp in Sharky's Shootout. And there's a magnet inside of a magic eight ball. And that's your mystery awards. And there's a screen in front of it. And it shows you what the award's going to be before the DMD shows you. Yeah. But it's always synced up. It knows where it's been. It must be. They know what position the flail's in. So yeah, the there's part some sort of detector. Some, yeah, yeah, there's, there's some, some sort, sort of, of detector. Yeah, it either, it either only installs one particular way, so it always knows its, its state or... Or it's got some way to measure it. Yeah. There's so, so many different ways that that can be done easily because it's done in stuff all the time that I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, art wise, my, I agree with you that the back glass is worst on the premium in yes. my view. However, I don't like the side art on the pro. You don't like the fiery air or you don't like, I, I that was the LA. You don't like the just sword there displayed on the side. I think it's just like with Deadpool. I just don't seem to like a light blue on the sides of cabinets. Oh, I could see that. Cause I also didn't really like the Megalodon on Deadpool. It was right. my least favorite package. And I thought it just had, I just didn't like the blue. I don't know. Dark blue. I don't mind. You're like, not going I, through your blue period, right? Apparently now. not. But I, I, um, now I will the say, LE had my favorite side. Of the the LE, yeah, the LE is everything about the LE. Is L- the LE is the best art package, and I can't remember the last time I said that. I, yeah, that's true because normally yeah. for me, it's the premiums that are the be- mm. tend to be the best art package. I agree, but in this case, no, the LE is definitely the the the, the flaming arrows and everything on the side art, the the back glass, everything about the LE on this is just I'm I'm in love with the art package on the LE. Mm. Now, playfield art appears to be identical for all the games. The upper play field for the premium LE is clear Lexan, so there's no art that is embossed on it in any way. You just see what's beneath. And looking at this, it appears that internally all of the art packages are the same. So yeah. there's no issue there. Uh, I like how it looks. It's very reminiscent of Black Knight 2000 in particular with the lightning bolt wheel, which I always associate with that game specifically. And, you know, the same sort of insert style, very, very red. Something that people have spoken about on the other podcasts that have already come out has been that you see at the back of that art, there's like that grill with the flames. Mm-hmm. They've got that set up for the, with the flame LEDs that flicker and do the fire effect. That could be amazing. So it's supposed to look really, supposedly those that have seen it have said it looks really, really good because with the art in front of it, it gives it a, a better, more flame like look than if you just saw the LEDs. Right. That's um, awesome. So yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, I like that the, 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 the upper play fields are Lexan so you can see under it. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's very nice. Uh, I do wonder. If that will lead to a point where we end up with a lot of scratch damage, I don't know how well Lexan will really hold up. To that uh, kind of use. Yeah, I, I you know, know, I don't know. I mean, the nice thing is you can always the people like to clean their playfields with Novus, Novus Two, and Novus Three. 
are polishers designed for plastics. And right. Things. So I think it, it'll buff out would be my, my quick answer. I know Steve Ritchie said on this coast to coast interview that the Lexan, he even gave the, the thickness of it. He said it's a very thick piece of Lexan. So in terms of it being sturdy, it should be pretty good. Um, and obviously the ball should be in an ideal world. Your ball should be smooth. And if it's not, you need to take it out. So there shouldn't be a lot of stuff getting on there to scratch through it, but it's a fair point. I do think that I could envision it getting cloudy over time. Right. Um, do you, what do you think about the pro not having the upper play field? Cause that I think is the only really big discussion point that's triggering anything. It's a shock to me because Black Knight started multi-level play fields. Yep. It, it, it's so for there to be a version of a Black Knight game that doesn't have multi-level play fields. And let's be honest with the, with Black Knight and Black Knight 2000, even though they were multi-level uh, play fields you didn't it's not like you got a whole lot of extra space because everything was hidden underneath it so it's not like it really added or subtract i mean it added stuff but it's not like it was a huge difference uh where with this lexan since you can see what's under it it'll it, it'll help a lot but at the same time i was shocked to hear there was a version without the upper play field i i was surprised too like a lot of people i've always sort of associated Black Knight with upper playfields, obviously the first Black Knight being the very first game to come out with one. Uh, I do like the look of the upper playfield in these games. Yes. I, and I believe, I think I've said it here before. I know I've said it before. I don't actually care much for the original Black Knight or Black Knight 2000 right. from a gameplay perspective. And part of that, as you noted, those, it's not like here you have a full playfield and then an upper playfield on those games. It's more like a buy level where you've got your main playfield, but it doesn't keep going beyond where the new upper playfield, not very far at least. Right. It's really just like one's higher and one's lower, but you don't have a full length to shoot. It's a reduced lower playfield essentially. And on both of those games, there wasn't a lot of, especially the first Black Knight, there wasn't a lot of point to being on the lower playfield. Yeah. It was like stay up on the upper the entire time. And then Black Knight 2000 was very much, right flipper all day. It wasn't very balanced in terms of flipper use. No, you're right. It wasn't very... Neither of them were... uh, I think a lot of what was going on with both of those games and why they're so popular is, A, the aesthetic is amazing. Mm -hmm. And the music, specifically, yeah, the the music and the call-outs and all that stuff. They're one of those games that while... And for their time, the play was fine. It's not, not... I don't think that... The kind of levels that we're expecting in play were the same as were expected back then. I make it sound so long ago. Well, it has been but, quite a while. But yeah, I, I think I'm interested to see because I enjoy both of those games, but I'm not, I'm not the connoisseur of pinball that a lot of people are. If I like the way something flips or if I just enjoy myself playing a game, even if it's a crap game, it'll be fine. So. Uh, I don't get as dug into it, but we'll see. We'll see how this one does compared to the others. Now, one thing I do like on the pro, or not the pro, on the premium and the LE, I like that physical ball lock up top. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the, that's the thing that my understanding from how it was described to me is that ball lock is only a ball lock on the premium LE. That, that ball lock, the, it's not like a virtual lock on oh, the pro. That lock is not there. All. That's what it, the upper so playfield adds 
Adds a multi-ball. That's what it is. So we're going back to the, the Stern thing where there are significant, like very significant differences between the pros and the other. I think in this case, if, if I'm, if I'm understanding. Not in all cases, just in this case. Well, if I understood what was, and I have to look at the feature matrix and this is where I should have done some more homework. But if I understood what Steve Ritchie was explaining on coast to coast pinball, it was on the, he, I think the way he described it was on the premium and LE, you have the opportunity to stack what I'll call the shield multi-ball, which is on all the models yes. by the night. And that upper three-ball lock multi-ball, upper, we'll call it upper playfield multi-ball, to have a six-ball multi-ball. You can stack those two multi-balls. But he said it on the premium and LE, which makes me, my understanding is that means the upper playfield multi-ball isn't like a virtual ball lock. Just, it's just not there on the pro. Um, which would make sense. Uh, one thing that it does have, I've, the MagnaSave being on the... Button on the lockdown bar. Ah, yes. That's a big change. I don't like that. And I'm going to be 100% honest. I don't like the buttons on the lockdown bars. Because I hate reaching over to hit them. But don't they make it easier for new people to know they that do. they're supposed to hit they something? They very much do. And I think the, I think there's probably something that's solid for the hobby. It's just a personal thing that I don't... I'm already slow enough on going, Oh, hey, I need to hit the Magna Save when I've got a Magna Save. Then to have to all the reach all the way up onto the lock bar, well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Maybe it won't be as bad as I fear. Yeah, I don't know, and and I could be. And I wanted to clarify as I, I'm going through more of the deep dive stuff to see. I haven't. I'm not certain that there isn't some sort of substitute multi ball for for the pro. I'm not seeing any mention of it. Like, I guess they're calling that upper one catapult multi ball, and then the lower one is the triple knights challenge multi ball, which is which is the one that's on everything. Right. So. Uh, the rules, I mean, the story, I don't really care about the story. I don't need to, you're going and you're fighting minions to try and lure the Black Knight out to fight him. It's perfectly decent for pinball. I, I don't care what the story, what the story, if it's taking me through a journey or not, I don't care. Looking at it, the Magna save, I would have been fine. I actually would have rather probably them dry and drop the Magna save rather than drop the upper play field. Though, again, I get it. People are like, well, Black Knight has Magna saves. Uh, Black Knight has upper play field. I agree with you from a playing perspective. It would be better to have the button on the side. Uh, I'm not surprised that they moved it to the action button. More people will actually press it now because they can get it glowing in your face. Right. Know, which I've noticed people who don't play pinball as much, they, they, they notice that button. So that, yeah. I think it makes sense from that perspective. Uh, plus I usually was never even fast enough to honestly save my ball with the Magna save anyway, <laughs> unless it's rattling around in there, in which case I probably still have the time. I wonder if the if it's super easy to get those balls in that upper playfield ball lock, or if it's like, do you have to do a bunch of stuff to light it? Uh, because that was the thing with Black Knight 2000 was it was pretty easy just to keep reloading balls into the ball right. lock. And so, some people had that same thing with the original Black Knight, which unless you put it, I believe, on hard settings, you don't have to go to the lower playfield to reactivate the lock. So everything's on the upper. So if that... My default rule, my default position is the one that I have on pretty much any of these games that have the upper playfield additions. The premium LE looks like it plays easier and safer than the pro does. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. This is like, this is the closest I've been torn on if I were to want, want to buy one between pro and premium since Walking Dead. Yeah. Where with Walking Dead, it was like, okay. So the ramps, after I finally got to play a pro, which was years later, it's like, okay, so the ramps feel better on the pro, but you lose the walker bombs. And I could live with losing like the bicycle girl shot and 
the magnet um it had more magnets in the pro premium right. but it's like i don't know the walker bombs were a really cool feature and this may be a really cool feature whereas who really cared if you had the upper flipper play field on aerosmith versus just a ramp without right. one. that's I, that's I very know. valid and that's, i don't know i think that's where on this game, I think I'd need to actually play both of them to make that decision. Yeah. Especially considering how little I like the premium art package compared mm-hmm. to the pro art package. Yeah. But whereas I wouldn't, I wouldn't let the premium art package start, stop me. But that said, I'm not going to defaultly be one of those people. And there have been a lot of those peoples in this hobby on this game right now that is just going to by default say, can't have Black Knight with an upper playfield. Boom. It has to be a premium. I'm not willing to say that. may have been their plan, their being Stern's plan to sell games, but mm-hmm. I don't work that way. This might be perfectly good as a pro game. I don't know that. We've played, I, well, we've played plenty of Stern games. That, the Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. There I prefer the pro model. But, but people, to the, to, to but the people didn't go into Game of Thrones with the default mindset of Game of Thrones has to have an upper play field. That's, that's true. The, that's the difference. I said that, and, and like I said earlier, that was the shocker to me that there was a version without. Yeah. My bias is towards good, the upper play field. Yeah. Even though I, the one thing that holds me different than a lot of those people is the bias aside, historically speaking, the upper play fields have been my least favorite parts of the Black Knight games, which is why I would have rather seen high speed three than a third Black Knight. High Speed 3 is what I was holding out for, but everybody who's listened to this show for any length of time knows that I love the High Speed series. I, uh, it's got a lot of supporters, but Black Knight may... There's a lot of good reasons there to are. pick Black Knight um, because of the iconic sound package and stuff. But, I mean, High Speed had, had important firsts as well. It was high, The first High Speed was the first game to tell a story, period. So, I yeah. mean, it was a first. There are lots of firsts. And that now, and speaking of the, the previous... Black Knights, that's one thing that I like the very concept of is the retro mode mm. in this to get the speech, sounds, music, especially the music from the older Black Knights. Mm-hmm. And my uh, Tim Sexton on Slam Telt spent more time. The write-up, explain that, the write-up suggested to me both versions of the game. When Tim was speaking, it was very much the original Black Knight game. Okay. Was the which does have speech and right and such, but not the cool. It does Granted, Scott Ian has redone that as a more hardcore metal version for this game. the The Black Knight theme from Black Knight Two Thousand is back. It's just raw, which sounds amazing because that song was already awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that song is a reason to have Black Knight 2000 in your collection just to hear it going because when it goes you just want to rock yeah you just want it you can do it well that's pretty much all I had to touch on with Black Knight Sword of Rage Sword of Rage unless there was anything else you wanted to bring up I'm not going to spell out all the modes and stuff to people there are other shows you can go. just follow the link and read the This Week in Pinball read read that stuff it's too painful to explain well before we go into video games Tony there's something we haven't played in a while chess that's true. I haven't played chess against you in years. I haven't played chess against anybody in at least five years. Okay. But we're not going to play chess because that would bore people. Because they can't see it. Right, right. It's a very visual game. Unless you're Lex Luthor and have all the moves memorized. Knight uh, <laughs> to King's Rook 4. But yeah. we can play 20 questions. Woohoo! That's right. You've you got a reprieve because the last time... I my stuff. Last time... You're right. So I'll just have to type it into the notes. Yeah. Tick, clicky, click, click. I so, don't. I. I don't have my. Keyboard. It still kind of clicks quietly. 
Okay. So I have a I have a pinball machine. For those that don't remember, though, we didn't we did this with Nick not too long ago. But hey, there might be a new listener. Uh, Tony will ask a series of yes and no questions. It will be about a pinball machine. It will be a flipper pinball machine, and it will be a pinball machine that I know he has played at least one ball on <laughs> in his lifetime. After the first 15 questions, if he still has not guessed the game, he may use internet resources to help him sort out and suss through the truth on the last five questions. And that's pretty much it. So whenever you're ready, go ahead and ask your first question. Is it Striker Extreme? No. You know, I imagine that you would actually have said that. And I thought, I wonder if Tony will actually guess a game straight out from TPF. Let's not do that. (laughs) I had to try. I I don't blame you for trying. I, I, I had to try. I mean, you would probably forever hold the record as the person who got it on question one, if that had worked out. It had, it, it, it was worth the risk. Let's go with that. Mm. <laughs> well, now that brings up the question is just how evil are you? I'm not evil at all. Is it a DMD game? No. Is it electromechanical? No. Is it Pirates of the Caribbean? No. Okay. I had to try. Uh, That's fine. Okay. Not an EM, not a DMD, not Striker Extreme, not Pirates of the Caribbean. Was it made after uh, the year 2000 or after? Yes. That's question five. Oh, it would have to be actually because I already did that. No DMD, didn't I? Well, no, there were other, there were solid state things that could have been. I didn't waste a question there. Is it a Stern? No. 2000 or later. Not a stern, not pirates. See, I think where you're going to get me now is especially if you didn't go with something from TPF. Is my mind's now locked into TPF, mm. which would make you evil. Would, would not doesn't make you evil. It makes it makes you having gone with a good play because now my mind's fully locked into TPF. Now. Yeah, but you could easily unlock your mind. From I TPF. know because you have the power. Is it a spooky game? Yes. Is it Alice Cooper? No. Is it America's Most Haunted? No. Is it Rob Zombie? No. That's question 10. Is it TNA? Yes. Yay! You got it. Yay! That's right. It's a 2017 game. Spooky pinball. I almost... Uses a screen, not a DMD, a TV screen, so or yeah. laptop screen. So. See, and that's the thing. Several of those I asked use DMDs because I just didn't mm-hmm. think about it. Well, it it was at TPF, it. though I doubt you played it. I there. didn't play it at TPF, no. But... But you've played it before. I've played it before, yeah. I'm real bad about when I lock out something. Oh, it doesn't have a DMD. And that's the first thing I ask is, is it this that I know how to DMD? So that was solid. That was a good one. I think that was my fastest, personally. I'm not. I'll have to check. I think, it's close. I think you've been sub 10, question 10 before. But yeah. question 11 is obviously very good. So even though you ran through like the entire spooky repertoire and picked the last it. one. Wow. Well, so you didn't do their, con- you didn't do their contract games. So there was that. Right. I uh, was well, seeing that's the thing is that while they're contract games, I don't consider them spooky games. Yeah. So, I'd have to look to see what that, I think they'll that be counted be, as a spooky. Right. But Hey, anytime I don't have to pull out the computer, I am happy. Mm-hmm. Now we'll go ahead and flip it and see if you can get better than my 11. Okay. Let me minimize my listing. Okay. All right. Whenever you're ready. Is it electromechanical? No. Is it from the year 2000 or more modern? 2000 and up. No. Is it from 1990 to 1999? No. Is it from 1980 to 1989? 
Yes. Is it City Slicker? Yes. Nice. Wow. That was impressive. A Bally. What is that? 85? 87. Oh, wow. Impressive. We played so many mid-80s games, I'm surprised you jumped on it that quick. I almost picked it for yours. Ah, that would explain. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I did not realize that was so... It only had 300 units produced. Wow. No wonder we've never seen it around. Yeah. Golly. Yeah, that was a, a interesting. I'm pretty game. sure that is our best re- ever. Uh, I don't know. I have to look. That was pretty quick. That was solid. I mean, I guess I guess I could just go to the Eclectic Gamers uh, website because I do keep it uh, updated. Eclecticgamers.com for everyone who ever wants to go. There are twenty questions. Our previous best was seven. Mm. That was you on three coins. Oh yes. Okay. Huh. My yet yeah, my previous best was ten on Rob Zombie. Oh, they! I see. I, I need to quit picking spookies for you because you get them faster. It's because there's so few to go through. Yeah, but I always like to think that it'll take you a while to to get to them. Yeah, you had eleven before on Avatar as well. I see. So yeah. Okay. Well, still, that's fairly good. That's tied for your second best speed. Poor city. I, I honestly almost made my second guess after I guessed Striker Extreme NFL. Because it would have been striker extreme, it still would have been striker extreme, except for it wouldn't have been the obvious answer. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I had not even remembered that you'd played that though. Because so. <laughs> that was the one where the one flipper didn't work, but we still played an entire game on it. Yeah, we 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 did the best we could. I had I had pendigos that needed to to go. Oh, I just now look back at our one note and I see your little grid of questions. <laughs> Because I don't have a pen and paper. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I know. I just assumed you'd like opened up Word or no, no, no I just pad, created the no grid. Pad. I just created a grid. Welcome to the grid. All right. Well, welcome I guess welcome to the grid. And now I guess it's welcome to video games. Welcome to video games. Um, all right. So first, uh, some news on this good transition category, of course, virtual pinball. Right. A lot of our listeners like pinball and at least like some parts of virtual pinball to learn about games or rules or yeah, at least something. It's a good way to learn rules at it, the bare minimum. It can. And of course, you, it depends. Some of their fantastical tables like on Pinball FX are yeah. not available as, as physical games. But that's not about Pinball FX. It's about Zakaria Pinball. Ooh. So a uh, couple, actually several things. Uh, Zakaria Pinball is now out on Xbox One. Okay. So if you want to play it on Xbox One, it I knew it was coming out, and I've confirmed it is out now at this point. Have you picked it up that way yet? I have not, because I mostly play this game on the Steam version. So I'll consider it. I'd probably wait for a sale, though, because I don't usually like double-dipping on video games. Now, was this the new... Isn't Aren't they doing a new version? With They're the doing new, a new mobile version. A new mobile version. Just the new mobile right. version. The last time we talked about Zacharia Pinball was when they announced that, they, that Google... Had out of the Google Play Store pulled down their their because game of because of the nipples and Farfalla. Right. So they had already been in the process of working on a new mobile game. To my knowledge, that is not out yet. Okay. So they have announced that they are in the process of bringing Zachary Pinball to the PlayStation Four. So they've started that process, but obviously they're not through that step stage yet. So that's going on, though, for people like you who own the PS4 and not the Xbox. Right. It is already out on Switch, though, incidentally. I think we've covered that before. Yes, too. we have. We cover all this virtual pinball stuff. Um, they now on Steam have a new pack, a starter pack. 
So, and I have a link in the show notes if anyone wants to go and look at that. So this way, if you want to, typically you either had to buy the tables individually on Steam. Right. Or they have like a bronze, silver, gold, platinum pack, which is like everything or a whole lot of something. So you get a whole ton of tables, but the pricing would run around like buying a full game. Right. So if, and much like Pinball Arcade, they do the, like you get a, you get to play up to a set score. So I guess if you don't like doing that, the limited demoing option, and you want to just own a few games, they've got a little assortment of tables to try out, so to speak, that you that you can get to fully own. So that's what the starter pack is. So that's a new thing that they've put together for people that are just sort of thinking about it. So if you want to check that out, you can. Uh, I already owned all of those tables because I bought the silver pack quite a while ago. Yeah. And in fact, uh, as, as I often do with disclosure, uh, someone with Zacharia through the Zacharia Pinball Facebook account reached out to me direct, not to the podcast, but to me individually, because I shared a number of things through the podcast and they'd heard our episodes about it and wanted to give me the tables I was missing. And I said, I'd rather do a drawing for, for the listeners. And I'm like, well, we'd really like to get you the tables. And I'm like, okay, well, full disclosure. So people can assess all bribes. Uh, because I bought the silver pack, I already owned, I thought I'd already owned all the tables, right. except for the high score ones I hadn't unlocked. Uh, I didn't have their new remake tables. Oh. So they gave me codes for the remake tables. Those aren't real, physically existing machines. Zacharia Pinball is mostly about simulation of actually built games from the Zacharia company. Right. So I owned all of those. I, I was missing three EMs of games that were rare that they, that weren't part of, I don't even think they're really Zacharias, but yeah. Uh, like Granada, which is the European version of Spanish Ice. They have that in there now. I didn't have that because it wasn't a Zacharia pack game. So they gave me codes for those. So FYI, I've been bought. Bribes. They should have sent you codes. You love virtual pinball too. But anyway, so all of that and as noted, links in the show notes. So that was the news item that I caught during this last week. I know you have a number of updates for us though. I have a game. number of updates. I know I because I'm been, looking at these notes. I'm like, holy it, crap, it this is been, huge. It could have been even crazier because there's tons of stuff that has happened because we didn't talk about – we haven't talked about video games really. No, because the post-TPF is so long on TPF. Yeah. So – We'll go ahead and get a start on just a little bit of catch up. Um, the war continues between Epic Store and Steam. And, uh, Borderlands 3 was announced. Very popular game franchise. Extremely yes. popular game Gearbox's most popular franchise. By far. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and starting with what was initially released as an accident. On April Fool's Day, <laughs> there was a teaser trailer that included a, a, a title screen right at the end that showed the uh, you know gearbox icons and all that in the bottom, and included the Epic Store icon, yeah, the no Steam icon. Oh, that picture was pulled after like fifty, or that video was pulled after like fifteen minutes. Ouch! And then on the second, they dropped they redropped the trailer with the announcement of the actual release date. Uh, the release date is. Uh, September 13th, they also released the information that it will be exclusive to the Epic Game Store for six months. Mm. With that announcement, the review bombing yep. that has become the standard response the, for the childish diehards in Steam. Which one of the things that developers hate about Steam is the propensity for this behavior to happen, yep. despite what Valve has tried to do to mitigate that. Yeah. 
And it launched. It happened. It hit oh, hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Borderlands 2 had, uh, it went from having 400, uh, I think it was like 451 negative reviews in the last year to having over 2,000 in the last three days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, internet, I love you. Yes. But as of yesterday, the 5th, Steam uh, went ahead and activated their new off-topic system that they put in place because of the review bombing that's been happening due almost completely because of the Epic Store since the Epic Store became a thing in December. And what that does and uh, is when you look at the reviews on the Borderlands, any game in the Borderlands library now, uh, any reviews put after April 2nd are now tagged with an asterisk and a warning that periods of off-topic review activity detected excluded from the review score by default. So what that means is none of those negative scores, the reviews are still there. They don't delete the reviews, but they don't count in the game scoring. Mm. So in, where the game went from being very positive to mixed and negative depending upon which of the games it was because Borderlands 2 got received had the most negativity hit it but every Borderlands games got hit by tons of it hundreds of them where Borderlands 2 got hit by thousands of negative reviews okay but uh it returned all of them to where they were because it basically just removed everything, every review that's happened since April 2nd. We've talked, last time we talked about this war between these two, about Whoa. the review bombing and how it's an issue. And I'll be the first person to admit, the Epic Store is not perfect. It needs some work. But like you know, Dennis, and like you've mentioned in the past, when the Steam Store first hit, I hated the Steam Store. Mm-hmm. And one yeah. of the things I hated about... It was about the online. It was about really. the required online to launch a game that had no online in it. And the Epic Game Store has that problem right now. I had to go in and uh, to play Satisfactory without being logged onto the internet. I have to launch. I have to launch directly from uh, the games, the, the EXE and the game folder. Oh, okay. Because the game, I can't use the launcher because the launcher won't work offline. And even though I had it create a uh, launch icon on my desktop, that launch icon launches the launcher, then the game. Mm. But all I had to do was go and go to the game and launch the game physically. So yeah, but a lot of your experience, we used to have to do that back in the '90s. Right. A lot of people aren't familiar with going and finding EXE files anymore. I mean, I'm not saying they're idiots. It's just it's It's just just, not something they're used to. It's not it's not in their wheelhouse. It's not something they've ever had to deal with. So, but it's still it's an annoying thing. It's a thing I think they do really good to get rid of. Um, They don't have the review system that Steam has. They don't have the social interaction system that Steam has. They don't have the achievement system that Steam has. But stuff like that is stuff that Steam didn't have when it launched. And Steam is over a decade old at this point. And they've built themselves and they've added that functionality. I think the Epic Store, if they're going to continue, will do the same thing. Okay. At least some of that functionality. The whole reviews and the chat rooms and this and that, that stuff might not hit. It depends upon if they're going to go up for that or not. But I'm sure they'll add a lot of the other stuff. Um, I'm still not not in favor of having uh, Epic. Let's rephrase that so that doesn't sound super confusing. I've got no problem with there being multiple companies doing the same thing in the same zone. 
I'm not bothered by the whole, well, I bought these games on Steam. I want to buy the rest of this series on Steam because it's like, uh, if I've got the game and it's on my computer and I can play it, I don't care what the launcher is Mm -hmm. as long as I have it. My biggest concern with, and it's my biggest concern with digital downloads, period, uh, is the fact that what happens if the store goes away? What happens to the games I paid for? Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, and I don't, I, I get, I mean, I get the convenience, but from a developer standpoint, Steam's not a good deal for them. It's really, it's really bloated in terms of the share that Valve is taking, in yep. my view. And so, I think it's a valid thought. And so, Epic, thanks to the success of Fortnite, had the financial resources to go ahead and try and launch a competitive service that they think can make them a lot of money without gouging. And hopefully with the drop-in money that Fortnite has been taking, they can continue that process. Yeah, we'll have to see. I wonder now if they wish they hadn't. But Fortnite has taken huge hits thanks to Apex. To the point where Fortnite is coming out in their uh, multiplayer. They're, so they're, if you're running duos, trios, whatever, when you're running as a group, they're adding a respawn thing like Apex has. Mm. So when you're doing team play, you can respawn down team members. They've been added a lot of stuff that Apex added yeah. since Apex came out. The nice thing for either of those games in terms of competition with each other is since they're free to play, winning back people isn't a big ordeal. Yep. That's very true. They can do it. They can do it. In fact, I think Apex had a huge issue where they were telling people don't log in because there was some sort of crash costing people their progress. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I wouldn't be surprised a bunch of people jumped into Fortnite that day. Yeah. And then they can sort it out. I mean, of the two, I, I prefer Apex. I really prefer to watch Apex. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm terrible at it, but I'm terrible at a lot of those games. But I really enjoy watching Apex when you've got good players. Uh, I tried the, um, the Battlefield, uh, five one. It came out. I, so the, I finally uh, played a Battle Royale. It was all right. Yeah. No, I, I really like the concept of Battle Royale games and the ones I've played, I've enjoyed playing. But I like, I like the way Apex deals with their stuff and does their multiplayer and their team setup and stuff. I think it will lead to a good place between the heroes and all that. And I'm almost positive I've said this before talking about Apex. I think it will lead to something that could allow some solid uh, esports tournament and play. Mm. So we'll just have to see where that yeah. goes. I'm, I'm hopeful. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and segue off of that to our next bit of sad news. <laughs> kind of sad news. It depends <laughs> upon how you feel on it. But GameStop announced their worst annual performance and their first loss since 2012. Okay. They've only they've only announced they've only announced losses like three times mm-hmm. in their existence. Yeah, they had a good model. Had had a good model. Be, yeah, because this loss wasn't minor. Their loss was six hundred and seventy three million dollars due to the collapse of the pre owned software market because of digital downloads, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. Um, that market is going to continue to collapse. It's going to go away. Because as more and more companies go to digital only, Xbox, rumored, is launching a disk driveless machine, mm-hmm. rumored to be next month, mm. that they're going to start. They're, they're, the last set of rumors I heard about is they'll probably start taking pre-orders in a few weeks when they make the announcement. Uh, so it's a disk driveless Xbox One. And as more companies start doing that, the loss of 
their uh, the loss of the used market means they're going to have to pivot. I don't know what they're going to have to pivot to. I know they're big because of they've, they've got lots of the pop culture merchandise, figures, clothes, stuff like that. So they become hot topic? So they become a more gaming-centric hot topic. That's okay. one thing they could pivot to. And that and, you know, actually selling hardware. Uh, but the truth of the matter is between the ability to go to Amazon or wherever you order from online or the ability to walk into Walmart and pick up your Xbox One as you're going to go on your way to grab a spare battery for the car and then over to do your grocery shopping means brick and mortar stores like this, especially such very specifically targeted brick and mortar stores are going to have it harder. I mean, why? I don't need gamers knowledge. I don't need to have a specialist. It's not like when I walk into AutoZone looking for a specific part to fix my wife's car where I need to have somebody knowledgeable with all the information to help me get it or, and I need it now. So I can't have it. I can't go online and order it. It's not like that with video games. I don't need to go in and have their guy tell me what video games I'm looking for or what I'll like. So with the loss of the used market, that's almost all of their business. Yeah. I don't think they stay in business. I don't long, see long term. I don't, I don't see, I don't see them pivoting. I think, it goes the way of Radio Shack or anything else, and it either shrinks significantly and moves to like an online presence, and they're online, or goes away entirely. Right, and they do have an online presence, and it actually had growth where all their yep. other damage, their online presence yep. had like a sixteen percent growth. Yeah, I, but it was so small. Yeah, the sixteen percent growth still does. I think yeah. ultimately they'll probably though, if they want to just continue to exist, just have to contract and just become that. They're going to have an online yeah. store. They're going to have to because you can't maintain and. The sheer number of GameStops. I mean, this is not a big town. And there are three GameStops mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. And I mean, that's not like... I'm not saying there's three GameStops in the Kansas City area. I'm talking about this town. This yeah. one suburb of Kansas City has three GameStops in mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. No, it's definitely going to be something that we're going to see changing. Uh, and not just with GameStop, but with a lot of these specialized brick-and-mortar places. We're going to see those changes. So... Continuing on again to more sadness. Want want to EA on the twenty sixth. So immediately after our last episode came out, um, announced another round of layoffs. They laid off three hundred and fifty people. That's about four percent of their total workforce. Their layoffs were concentrated in marketing, publishing, and the operations teams, which is where Blizzard's layoffs were also concentrated. Right. It was mainly in the marketing and, and, and publishing. A lot of those were assumed on that Activision Blizzard yeah. side to have been related to the Destiny marketing campaign people. Right. And um, it's become a thing that I'm sure anybody who follows video games has found out is there's a growing discussion about unionizing in the gaming industry. Mm. And uh, Game Workers Unite is one of the big groups pushing for it. There's several. Uh, Game Workers Unite has uh, definitely probably been the most vocal one. And they've actually, their UK branch has actually become recognized as a legal trade union inside the UK. And I think it's going to be interesting over the course of the next couple of years to see how this plays out especially in the U.S. because the U.S. hasn't exactly had... They've kind of had a love-hate relationship with unions for the last 30 or 40 years. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, unionization in the U.S. is it's complicated. Uh, it was once, I mean, obviously, when you set aside the bias of socialism and this fear that unions were a gateway to communism, and I think most of that, I don't think there are many, I think it's a minority of the population that would have that opinion at this stage. But what strengthened unions there were in the U.S. were oriented around the manufacturing sector. Right. And because the U.S. is not a manufacturing economy anymore, those positions don't really exist and the other service fields didn't really get into unions the same way. There's still sometimes punching bags on unions in terms of like teachers unions and stuff, which right. are seen as having a degree of power. But most industries just aren't unionized because most industries didn't have a culture for it. So I don't know if it'll take root or not. The thing with the U.S. that complicates is even if you get the unions in place, so many states went right to work that they don't allow closed shop unions. It's all very voluntary and that limits union power. It's designed to limit union power. Yeah. Those states also pay less. Um, Surprise. Yeah, I know. It's a shock. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it will. I agree with you. It's definitely given the background. I just don't know. I think without knowing a bunch about the demographics of the of game developers, I think ideologically, it's probably not a big leap for them to like, I don't think they'd feel bad trying to make a union as developers, as right. programmers. But the, I mean, with the industry pushback that will inevitably happen because they will fear having to pay higher wages and providing better benefits, coupled with a uh, fragmented U.S. system in which most states aren't very union friendly. Though most of the states that I think have the development studios may be, I mean, California is union friendly. They are, and they've so, got a lot of development studios. So, yeah, it's it's it'll be interesting to watch because it's just, it's such a mix. Uh, I I don't know how it'll pan out. Uh, I have no idea. I've I've never. I mean, I've held a lot of blue collar jobs. I've never held a job that's been unionized. Mm -hmm. um, I've never worked anywhere where there where anybody was unionized in any of the groups. And I know that's the big thing in the U.S. is unions are either. Everybody in one type, so like electricians mm. and the pipe fitters, they have their own unions. But then there's also the groups where this would be more like the industry, where like auto workers, everybody involved in auto work can join the auto workers union. That's what I would assume this would go into. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out. Um, I know the way a lot of these things have been handled. I don't know how many of them could actually have been helped by a union. Right. Um. As horrible as the Activision Blizzard layoffs were, I don't know what real arguments the unions could have had for, well, you can't lay people off. Right. I, that, I don't, I don't really envision, and I haven't thought a lot about it, so that could be part of it. It was just being short, short sighted, but I don't really envision that sort of strength of a unionization setup, but maybe things along the lines of, oh, Telltale people, you actually get severance. Right. Stuff like that. Like some sort of agreed upon defined package of what happens when you down, because this industry downsizes a lot. It's cyclic. It's like how pinball manufacturing often was with the lines. So if you couldn't keep the lines busy, you let people go and then you bring, bring, bring people back in. And that was in the EM era. Gottlieb and Chicago Coin would exchange employees. Right. Depending on who was building what. It was, it just had to be done that way. And that's how game development is apparently gone because they right. decided when it's crunch time, they bring in people and people are desperate for experience. And much like pilots, 
It's an industry that's dominated by people who are very passionate about wanting to work on games, and that can be exploited. Whereas people like Eric, my brother-in-law, who chooses to not go into game development because doing boring programming is much more secure yeah. and pays well, pays better. And that, that doesn't surprise me at all. See, because I kind of look at it like I have several friends who work for the railways. And in working for the railways, the uh, one of the big things they do is when they hit a slow period, they lay everybody off. Or they'll lay large swaths of people off. And then when things start picking up again, they'll call them. It's like, yeah, I, I know we, we laid you off six months ago, but we're busy now. So can you be here on Monday? And that's the type of work they do. Mm-hmm. And the people who work there, they expect that. And I'm still in shock every time I talk to one of them and say, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I've been laid off. So I'm just working, you know, you know, I'm just doing side work here. Or I'm going to labor ready or whatever. It's like, oh, okay, you're looking for a job? Oh, no, they'll call me back soon enough. It's just weird to me. Um, I've read a couple articles uh, uh, where part of the problem is because developers are so spread out and you can be laid off so quickly that it makes it hard for people to really put roots down. Mm. Uh, it's hard to buy a home when you're working somewhere and you might not be working there in a week. Uh Several of these companies that have gone through layoffs, uh, Telltale, for example, when they laid off everybody, they hired new people three days before that announcement. And then they laid everybody off. And that's one of those things. I was like, how were they still hiring people? They had people who started three days before they were told they were fired. And a lot of these companies uh, I've been reading on, they'll do where it's like, okay, we've done all of our work in this engine and uh, our next game is going to be in this new type of engine. So you're all fired. We're hiring a whole bunch of people who know that engine. Instead of retraining their current staff to like, oh, we're going to Unity. So instead of retraining their staff to use Unity, if they weren't using Unity before, they'll just sack them and hire a bunch of people who know Unity. Or their staff is like, anybody in their staff who knows Unity, congratulations, you get to stay. Everyone else is fired. Mm. And I don't know. It's interesting because, like I said, it's not an issue I've ever had to deal with personally with any of the jobs I've had. So, again, this is Kansas. We're a right-to-work state. So, there's not a lot of union uh, here in Kansas. There's not a lot of union strength in Kansas. Right. So, I'm really going to be watching. I'm going to be interested to see how things go. Not being a developer, not being in that industry at all is not going to affect me, but I'm really interested to see how things go. I think we'll go ahead and finish our video games on a high point. Oh. So, a bunch of rumors have hit the ground coming out of Microsoft. We talked a little bit earlier about the rumors of the disk driveless uh, system. Uh, That rumor has been around since, like, November. Yeah. So, uh, but the rumors coming out now is that Microsoft is going to be making some changes and adding a couple uh, to some of their subscription services. One of the things is they're looking at what they're going to call, supposedly, the Game Pass Ultimate subscription, which is a combination of their Game Pass subscription and their Xbox Live Gold subscription. Okay. And currently, uh, as I recall, the Xbox Live Gold is $20 a month if you do it monthly. Hmm. 
It's or it's fifteen dollars a month if you do it monthly, or like sixty dollars a year. Yeah, I'm more familiar with the annual rate, right? Which is usually a baseline of sixty. Yeah, and the game pass is ten dollars a month, right? So they're doing a combined pass that does both for fifteen dollars a month. So for people who are monthly into Game Pass and monthly into Gold, this will save them money. And it should break even, from what I've heard, on people who do annual. But there's a lot of people who get the annual passes at a cheaper rate. Right, I've never specials. paid 60 for an annual. At least not for the last either. five years or 10 I mean, years or something. I mean, I haven't had Gold in years because I don't have an Xbox anymore. But when I did, I always got it for like 45 Amazon's always got one on sale. Right. So that's how I always did it. So it'll be interesting to see because I know a lot of people do use these on a monthly basis. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how popular this system is. Uh, the other thing is reports that they're putting out a Game Pass subscription for Windows PC users. It doesn't surprise me. Not mm. at all. They've been pushing the whole games that are launched as Xbox exclusive are also available on PC through the PC windows, uh, through the windows store, because that's what their whole, their whole market. And we've talked about this in the past as they're pushing it because it's just, that's what it is naturally. It's one of the reasons I'm so much more went for a, a PS4 over an Xbox one because well, there were more exclusive games I wanted on the PS4 because all the ones that I might've wanted to play on the Xbox one, I could just get on play on my PC. Yep. So, but I can see with this game, a Game Pass subscription for $10 a month, I could see getting it. Some say it's the best deal in gaming. And I can see the argument. I still haven't done it, but I know a lot of people love it. And they do a lot of promotional specials on it to get you hooked. Like $1 for the first month, yeah. $5 a month deals for a set period of time. So it's very attractive because the library is vast and it's new games. Right. That's what's attractive about it. In a lot of those games, it's like, okay, I want to play this game and beat it, and then I don't ever care about it again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I can definitely see the attraction. I do wonder, with the growth of subscription services, period, because, I mean, I had this whole conversation with my wife the other day about subscription services, because we, we, we cut the cord years ago. Right. Uh, we've just relied on Amazon Prime, Netflix, our antenna, and, and, and stuff like that for all of our watching needs. But we're adding more. Like I said earlier, I added the Funimation this year, uh, this month actually for, uh, so my daughter can watch some more stuff and I can watch some stuff, some anime and this and that. Um, there's Hulu out there. I don't have Hulu, but Disney has their new streaming service coming out. Uh, CBS All Access. CBS All Access, which is the only one of those ones that actually calls to me. And it's just because of my love of Star Trek. My love of Star Trek's not strong enough for me to do it. There's uh, YouTube Premium, which I did do, and I'm extremely happy with. Um, but this is becoming a, a system where, while I've cut the cord and I no longer have cable, I'm probably paying as much as I would have with cable because of all the subscription services right. at this point. So... That's part of the reason I've stayed away from Game Pass is, for me, I think I would actually still end up spending more on gaming than I do. Right. Because you tend to get games on sale for Christmas, for your birthday, yep. as special. Yeah. And, and you tend to play They still stuff. do. Xbox Gold people still get to have, like, it's at, at this point, it's like four games a month. Two are going to be Xbox One games, and two are going to be backwards compatible, 360 or Xbox Original. So it's like, I'm getting free games constantly with that that I paid, like, 40 bucks And that's what I do with the PlayStation Plus. Yeah. I get 
for exactly. Game. So some, some months it's four games, some months it's like this so, month it was The Witness and um, Conan Exiles. Got them both. I haven't played them. I've got I got Hitman. All of Hitman mm-hmm. Season 1, I've got all sorts of games. I've not played half of them, and I probably never will play some yeah. of them. But they're free as the part right. of my access, so as long as you take the deal when it's there, I think it'll be interesting to see going forward. But I'm going to tie this back in a strange way. Do you see this as being, not now, but if the growth is there and the growth remains for systems like the P3 that let you use one set and change digitally. Could you see something like this being active if they got enough titles to use the same basic tile set with just different games and different rules and different art packages built into your P3? I mean, I could envi- technologically I can envision it. I just I just my the thing that and this is less of an issue than it used to be for me with the P3. And for those that don't know, we're talking about the P3 is is a is a platform built by a company called Multimorphic. It's a it's a physical pinball machine, but the play field is itself a screen. So the ball is rolling on a screen that can detect where the ball is. And it's very, very cool. Very technical. It's awesome. I do like the P3. But the, I mean, for me, the, the problem isn't the potential of the P3. The problem is there's no killer app for the P3 that makes it better than practically any output uh, pinball game that's built right now. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what's, Lexi's better than Thunderbirds. Yay. Lexi's not a bad game. No, it's not. Lexi's the only regular pinball game in a pinball platform. And I think that's their biggest issue. And I believe Jerry has acknowledged that something's coming out that he thinks will address that. That said, the other thing is that the price to get in is very, very high. Different than things like this where you've got Microsoft saying, here, why don't you get a Game Pass? Oh, you don't want a console? You can do it on your PC. We don't care. You're playing on Microsoft no matter what you do. We win no matter what. That's the philosophy they're going with now. And then here, maybe you'd like a discless one since you're playing through Game Pass anyway. We'll save you a hundred bucks because we didn't have to put a drive in. Mm -hmm. That's going to be console gaming in particular is very dominated compared to PC gaming by people who are lower income. It's di- the di- it's different. The dynamics are different. There is a I've read two in depth articles about the truth of the PC master race and how it's very rich and very white, and that console gaming is much more diverse because the the money needed to get in is much less, and that there's a gulf in there, and that gulf is seen in esports. It's really interesting idea about how few console games are esported. There's some, there's like some, Halo and stuff. But I but, think most of the ones but, that are like the sports. Games. But I'm not, I'm not. I don't want to say I don't care about that. But that's not the point of the discussion. But the point of that is that the thing with the video games is the lower the barrier to entry, the more people you can get hooked onto your architecture. And console gaming has always been about getting in and having that price point where people can. One of the attractive things about the Switch is that it's affordable. It's affordable and it's fun and it has a lot of stuff. So those sort of steps, these things like Game Pass, I mean, think of it. We're, we're holy, we're big boys. We're all grown up. We're 40. We have income. We have jobs. <laughs> Imagine someone who has an allowance and that allowance is able to cover a $15 a month Game Pass and they can play what they want in that. It's huge. That would have been life changing when I was a kid. It's huge. I mean, when we were kids and it was like, what? I don't remember, 60 to 80 bucks to buy. I mean, the games were like the same price as they are now. Right. How often did you get to have games? 
And I had an allowance of uh, $20 a month was at least what the last amount was. So I could get a game every quarter if I saved my money. That sounds about right for and me And spent too. nothing else and did nothing else with it. Because I normally bought, either it's, for me it was birthdays, Christmas, and I'd buy myself a so game. Yeah. Back, back to what you were tying this to. The problem with P3 is it hadn't got any of that going for it. The closest thing that it has is that buying additional modules is less than buying a full pinball machine. But the investment of getting the platform is so much more than buying a pinball machine that I think it loses a lot of that. You still have to be rich to buy one is what I'm saying. Yeah. Not in truth. No, you could, anyone could save up and then get one. But what's helping though is that the price of pinball machines like JJP and such is getting so high that it's making the multimorphic uh, P3 platform look like a better and better deal every year. As long as Jerry doesn't raise his price and Stern keeps raising their price $200 a year, yeah. and JJP keeps raising their price $500 a game, <laughs> it's just going to be, it's going to get to the point where you're going to be like, yeah, I would rather pay 10000 up front and then another 3500 and half six games. It's going to yeah. get that point. It's going to hit that point. And things like hooping it up, which we didn't get to try when we were at Texas, but that was a free add-on for the Lexi playfield, I think. Free. Yeah. So that stuff helps too. That's their that's their multimorphic gold pass. Their multimorphic plus. Their multimorphic plus. Multimorphic plus. Pass. That stuff. That now that'd be interesting. A subscription service for the multimorphic. That could get uh, but it's just the barrier to, of entry is so high on the price right. is the is the real problem. When you're I mean that's half the price of my new car. My new car. It's like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, come on. For a toy? It's now, a lot now of money. you do wonder about, and I don't know because I've not looked into it, if you if people, because uh, I know there's some talk about being able to do your own programming and put you together your own stuff on that system, if that could be made freely accessible to other people. I don't know how that works. Because yeah, I've never looked into right. it. Right. Because, oh, sorry about my microphone. Yeah, I know the, uh, the Nick Baldridge yes. was on. He got a P3 and he's looking forward to developing for it. Well, and that's great. What if I wanted to develop for it, but I don't want to buy it? Is there a dev kit I have access to? I don't think so. I, I don't, I don't mean, I don't think so snarky. I mean, I don't think so, but I don't know. Right. I don't know if there's a way that I would be allowed to develop without having already bought the product. And that's a pretty big buy. That is a huge buy. I mean, that's more like more like me paying them to work. You see, because the dollar <laughs> amount uh, sort of thing. Because I don't think I imagine you get a share of a module you develop. So it's just yeah, it's a big. It's not like how I think. I don't believe Microsoft goes to Activision and says you have to spend a whole bunch of money with us to develop with us. They recognize them as a valued partner. And right. Like, Here's the kits. Go do your thing, and then fire all your people. Right. No, maybe they don't say that. And to be fair with, with them on the side now, because of the how the console architecture has gotten, they're so much closer to video games. They, they now, that's the nice thing now is that transferring stuff between... Well, I mean, that was a big thing with... You know, Blizzard was a big PC company known for its PC games. Uh, I think Overwatch, part of the reason why it was so easy and they updated at the same time as the PC is because the architecture is so similar. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Well, I think that's everything. All right. Well, folks, uh, we'll be back in two weeks, but you can always reach out to us, facebook.com slash Eclectic Gamers Podcast. We're available on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch, where you've been doing a bunch of streaming as Eclectic underscore Gamers. Yep. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Tony. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs>